0: Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting and exciting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, as usual, we'll have a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips that uh, could help your business along the way. We'll also be chatting with uh, Christina Sikiatis with our Minute on Innovation, a couple of uh, interesting little ideas, a bit way out ideas actually, coming along a bit later in the program. Unfortunately, I couldn't find my guest today, Is uh, wasn't able to attend, so uh, I thought I'd do the sec- a segment myself, talking about your pricing. One of the issues that uh, often I often come across when I'm talking with businesses is, uh, how do I get my pricing right? And uh, well, it is very important, and the reason that it's very important, because statistics show us that uh, 25% of small businesses fail because of not getting their pricing or their credit management systems right. And uh, I'm afraid that can lead to disaster for so many businesses. And when you get back to it, it's really very simple. There's only three ways that we can make money in a business. The first way is to look at our overheads and our expenses and make sure uh, we keep them as low as we can possibly keep them and have some sort of a budget. The second way of making money, of course, in a business is either to get more customers in the door or get your existing customers to spend more money. And then the third way is to put your prices up. Um, And really, that's the only way that money is going to come through the door. Uh, And sometimes we tend to put our prices down a little bit um, and then we're not really making the money we should. So the question we have to ask, I think, is uh, what is pricing? My theory on it is it's as much as it costs to cost-effectively remove the pain. So your customers will pay money to remove some sort of pain that they've got. Uh, it's usually a problem that they have. And, of course, remember that everybody in business has the solution to somebody's problem. And then the question then is, well, how much will people pay to remove that problem that I have? Which, of course, requires a little bit of market research But basically, when we think about it, pricing is based on three things. It's based on the cost to you, which obviously is the minimum you can charge. Uh, If you're charging less than the cost to you, you're going to go out of business very, very fast. And the top end of it is what the market will bear, how much the customers are prepared to pay. Somewhere between those two points is what the competition is charging. And obviously, they're going to be a big range between those two. My my thought on the matter, we really should be up in the top end. We should be uh, close to or on the figure that uh, the people are prepared to pay for our service. After all, if we're selling a, a quality service or product, why would we want to cheapen it by putting the price down? We're really uh, creating problems for ourselves and we're, we're implying that the product is maybe not the quality that we are putting forward. So uh, putting our prices up in the sort of the top area is is important. However, then we have to ask the question, well, have we got it right? And uh, one of the ways of testing that, of course, is to offer discounts from time to time. By offering discounts, you can bring your prices down a little bit, but you would put a discount on that would probably be for a short period of time. So it might be for the month of... April, we're offering a discount of so and so, or it might be to a particular target market to, to new customers or to existing customers, or maybe to uh, uh, pensioners. So, you, you have a reason for offering a discount, but remembering that in business, everything is perception, particularly the customer service and, and the pricing aspect. It's the way people perceived things. What do the customers perceive your pricing? is so uh, perception becomes important so if you've if your prices are relatively high and you bring them down for a reason by putting a discount on or something like that psychologically people still think well that's the real price the high price and, and it's a special on at the moment whereas if you go in at a low price and try to put your prices up then you have the issue of now we've suddenly put prices up and that's a Completely different uh, psychological impact on our customers, which really brings us into uh, three pricing emotions that we have to face in business. And the first pricing emotion is your uh, resistance to your price. We often have a psychological effect that uh, nobody's going to pay me that much, or you know, I've made something at home and therefore it's not worth the money that if it was made in a factory, well, why? We have to go to uh, our own psychology and think about, am I really worth this money? Um, and we have to be comfortable with the pricing that we're asking people to pay. Again, we have the situation sometimes where people think that uh, you know, prices in capital cities should be higher than regional cities. Well, again, we have to ask the question, why? We should look at that pricing model. What, what are people prepared to pay for that product or service? So once once we've got the, the pricing right in our own mind, we then have to come overcome the second pricing emotion, which is that of the customer's price resistance. How do we um, convince the customer that the pricing is right? Well, the real issue is, is the benefits of the product. Um, if we sell the benefits of our product rather than the features of our product, then we are going to uh, be more likely to convince our customers of the price, and the price doesn't become so important, particularly if we are removing some problem or pain that they have. So uh, overcoming that price resistance using benefits, and the question often asked is, is it a benefit or a a feature? If you can say, so what, then it is a feature and not a benefit. Um, People buy, usually buy for the benefit, for the result that they're going to get from it. And then, of course, the third pricing emotion we have to overcome is the customer's payment resistance. And we've indicated earlier that a number of businesses do not uh, uh, do go out of business because they've done the job, but they never got paid for it. Um, we really have, need to have a policy whereby we have good poli- uh, pricing uh, payment plans in place. If we're offering credit, make sure we have a proper system that ch- chases people up and uh, gets them to pay on time because if they don't, well, obviously, uh, we're going to not necessarily have that money flowing in, the cash flow flowing in. And just remember that a customer is really not a customer until they have paid you. Time to pop over to Christina Cigliatis. Good afternoon, Christina.
1: Good afternoon. How are you,
0: Julian? I'm very well, thank you. So, chain Reaction, obviously, is a good way of introducing innovation
1: is, isn't it? Because that's exactly what it is. It's a series of events that take shape and fold themselves into something that becomes hopefully a reality with a, with a series of diverse thinking, hopefully.
0: So talking about reality or diverse thinking, you've got a couple of strange innovations that are happening?
1: I do. So um, very interesting uh, thing that I was reading about this week. So artificial skin that can grow hair and sweat so quite a, a remarkable development, um, in that in that the skin can actually that actually sweats, and, and the repercussions or sorry repercussions is the wrong word. What that actually does for treating burn victims and people with skin disease is quite remarkable. Mm, mm,
0: yeah. So that's but, sort of. The other thing, it's, it's on the uh, it's on the drawing board, or it's already it's almost uh, they're, ready. They're already
1: doing it. Yeah, they're already doing it. They're doing trials. Um, so there's an organised. So what they say, what the, the information says, is that there's, um, it's got the typical three layers of tissue found in human skin. Mm. So some of the artificial um, ways of producing skin that they're using at the moment only use one or two layers. This one has the third layer, which is why they can actually hold, it holds the hair follicles and the sweat glands. And when you put it that easily, you wonder why nobody's ever extended it to that to that um, concept before. But I guess you know it's all a development. So in the first instance, you get excited because now you've got something to to use for people with burn victims, etc., with the artificial skin. But now they've actually gone further and they're sewing the hairs um, into into this. So who knows where that's going to lead? Wow. But the remarkable healing facility and just the sweat producing. So the way that the sweat produces and the and the hair comes. Um, so the reaction of the hair with the sweat and how it cleans the body and all that all that kind of scientific mm. thing has now been implanted into this into this artificial three-layer skin, skin sample. So they're testing it on animals at the moment, obviously. They're testing it on gums, on the gums of mice. Oh, sorry. They're extracting the batch of cells from the gums of mice and they're using it. Um, so it's all in the testing phase, but you now it's begun... And here has begun growing from the implants roughly two weeks after it's been inserted. So that's quite a remarkable development.
0: And now Google's going down a strange path at the moment.
1: Oh, that's quite remarkable as well. And I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't quite got my head around this one. But Google is suggesting that, that they're going to build a city from technology up. So we're all kind of acknowledging now that, that technology can't be stopped unless something you know incredible happens and, and or really catastrophic happens, and we kind of go backwards. Um, but what the, what the conversation is, is that wouldn't it be good if we built a city from the internet up? So what does that actually look like? So instead of using technology to help us in our daily lives, so using the sensors and using the internet, et cetera, what's it like if we actually start with the internet and then build the whole city from that up? And I can't quite get that in my head yet exactly what that means, um, but but it would everything would be built into the infrastructure of that city, so how that ultimately affects um, shopping and retail and manufacturing mm. and you know the drones and the all, all the other bits of technology how they all file into that is quite remarkable. Mm. Um, that was another thing that I was reading about too, as far as drones they 've just had the first pardon me they 've had the um, first legally sanctioned urban drone delivery. Ah. Um, so, yeah, and that was that was in the US, obviously. So it was mm. in Virginia, and they were transporting some health materials, some medical supplies. Um, and so the opportunity that that opens up now is quite, quite mm. remarkable. So mm. the, it, the tests actually proved that drones can safely deliver goods to destinations without hitting street lamps and rooftops and crashing into each other and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So where that actually leads us now is, is into quite incredible territory.
0: So, so when, when I'm thinking about creativity and coming up with ideas, what happens mm-hmm. if I have a creative block?
1: Uh, and don't we always... like Creative blocks are quite common and they happen all the time with people, particularly in brainstorming sessions. But there's a myriad of things that you can do, just quick, easy things. So one of the suggestions is if you're having a, cre- a creative block, so you might be writing a, um, a press release or you might be writing an article um, you might be trying to come up with some brainstorming ideas to solve a problem. Really quick, really easy way to do it is to go, what would blah, 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 do, think, say, right, if they were in this position? So somebody that you admire, somebody that you respect, somebody whose work methods you're quite um, familiar with, and it sounds like a really kind of easy task, and you go, well, how's that going to break my creative block? But it's amazing when you put yourself in someone else's shoes how much easier it is to come up with something that is... Um, quite a creative solution to a problem that you're solving because all of a sudden you're not responsible for the for the outcome of the of the conversation um, and it, it's kind of a, a mind freeing thing because you're putting yourself in someone else's shoes and coming mm. up with, with the solution. So it's really easy. Um, and the other thing is to just write. So some people go, oh, "Well, what does that mean?" And you go, "Well, just write. It doesn't matter what comes out because there, as we've often discussed, there's no such thing as the right or wrong answer mm. to a. a a problem or a situation, if you just write and move yourself past it and you actually go into your subconscious, because that's another thing, they're actually, we're actually finding that all these things that we've learnt, read, etc., in our whole lifetime is stored in our subconscious. So, that's right. Which makes our subconscious an amazing source, and an amazing Something resource. that
0: we should all try to access one way or another, right?
1: Eh? Absolutely. Um, you know, and at one point in time we went, that's not true, it doesn't happen. You know, we, what do you mean our unconscious, our subconscious, whatever? But it's all there. And potentially some of the information that I've read also is that one day we'll be able to use it properly um, or use it to its full capacity and then we'll be able to call on all those things that we still have stored
0: mm. in our and, brain. And just, just quickly, one tip for the week.
1: Oh, one tip for the week. Get reading. Read anything. So read, we um, were talking earlier about, about some books Sometimes I actually find it really easy to to read a a, a quick, easy read and get some, you know, inspiration out of that. And sometimes it's something that you've read before, um, or it might just be something that you're that you're uh, that you've come across and you've had on your bookshelf for a little while. Read because
0: there's
1: so much information in you. Just there's a plethora of information out there, and we really need to be accessing it. Sometimes we don't have enough time to read, um, but reading is a remarkable way of learning new things. Well, like, how obvious is
0: that? Thank you very much, and we'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. It's amazing the way some of the things are going, isn't it? Well, we've got time for one of our uh, Harvard Business Review tips, and I thought this one was an important one because some of the things we talk about on the on the uh, show, particularly when we're looking at some of those innovations, can be a little bit way out there. It says here, the best leaders keep an open mind. We often think of great leaders as having the conviction of their beliefs. They're not pushovers. But the most successful leaders actually show a willingness to be persuaded. How can you do this, particularly on issues where you're not objective? Firstly, keep your hand on the dial. When debating a decision, envision turning a dial. All the way to the right represents absolute certainty, and all the way left signifies none. Secondly, recall a moment of opacity, when you couldn't see a situation clearly or when something you were not sure of turned out to be wrong. Whenever you're feeling overly confident, remind yourself of the moment and seek counsel. And thirdly, kill your darlings. It can be tough to change your mind about long-held beliefs, but the quicker you acknowledge that an idea, even a beloved one, is unworkable, the sooner you'll move on to the right course of action. So there's some interesting points there because we do often have a closed mind, don't we? So useful to have an open mind sometimes. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've chatted a chat about pricing and looked at some of those new innovations that are coming through. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week we'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and some other business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Henry David Thoreau once said, go confidently in the direction of your dreams.